Uh, we'll have to edit that first part out. Where I'm whistling? Yeah. <laughs> We've been running for about two minutes. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. okay, okay. All right. Well, it's going to be a shorter episode <laughs> here. <laughs> Trin really does just start start once we start talking. Yeah, it does. Uh, remember Lot's wife. Yeah, unfortunately, shorter episode today. Yeah. For some of you listeners, you may be thinking, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've, uh, I've got a busy day going on. I don't know about you, but so sorry for the uh, necessary shortness. Yeah. And, you know, it happens sometimes where it needs to. It needs to be shorter. Uh, okay, let's see. So before the uh, this episode started, you said that this was a good chapter. Why would you say that? I mean, I say it every week. I think I'm just beginning to realize that I, I just really like J.C. Ryle, his writing style. Every, just... Uh, I don't know anything about him really, so I ordered a biography, and uh, I'm gonna learn about this dude. Mm. And uh, I mean, I want to learn more than what I could look up on Google, like on the like Wikipedia bio, bio or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the he the amount of application he can make from just one little theme. One or one theme or one verse. Uh, that's cool. I wish I could do that. And so this chapter is, um, uh, this chapter is a woman to be remembered, and he uses the phrase that Jesus Christ uses. I think he just read it. Remember Lot's wife, Luke seventeen, uh, Luke seventeen thirty two. Which the whole verse here, uh, I mean, that's the, that is the whole verse. Um, but the whole context is, <coughs> in that day, he who is on the housetop and his God and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. Um, the one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Um, so he's talking about the last day. He's talking about, um, what we put together, what, what we, um, understand more clearly throughout more of his teaching throughout more of the New Testament. He's talking about his second coming, uh, the, the, uh, the day of the Lord as some other writers, uh, biblical writers put it. And he's given a warning he's given exhortation in this in in anticipation for the last day remember lot's wife that that you don't 
uh, that you don't, um, uh, and the uh, implication is that you don't look back in Christ's teaching in, in Luke. So Ryle's whole theme here is uh, don't, I mean, last week or last episode, we looked at uh, um, the example of Lot of what not to do and hesitating, that Lot hesitated in leaving. Well, his wife did something worse, and uh, uh, we are to remember her and not to look back on what we should be uh, fleeing from in this world. Yeah. Yeah, he gives, uh, he, he tells us how there's several things about this that warn us. He, he starts five different paragraphs with the, the phrase, it is a solemn warning, and follows it with something. In one of those paragraphs, he says, it is a solemn warning when we consider the manner in which it was given. He does not merely say, beware of following, take heed of imitating, do not be like Lot's wife. He uses a different word. He says, remember. He speaks as if we were all in danger or of forgetting the subject. He stirs up our lazy memories. He bids us keep the case before our minds. He cries, remember Lot's wife. Yeah, this is out of order, but... Uh, so he gives us four, or he gives us three headings here. He says, I will speak of the religious privileges, which Lot's wife enjoyed. I will speak of the sin, which Lot's wife committed. And thirdly, he says, I will speak of the judgment, which God inflicted upon her. This is a little out of order. Uh, but when I was, uh, reading to this, or actually this chapter actually just listened to, um, uh, the whole time, uh, I'm thinking of this and wondering if he's going to address it. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, when it says, remember Lot's wife, and that she looked back, um, he addresses it out of, uh, okay, well, what's so bad about that? You know, what, you know, what really, what's so bad about that? She's leaving her home and wants to look back and, uh, uh, on a com- on a comical note, it's like okay, if fire is raining down on some place, I kind of want to. It's kind of like a car wreck. It's not like you're uh, entertained by watching like a fireworks show. It's kind of like one of these things you can't look t- like not look at, not not look away from. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what was happening. Is that she was she was turning back and longing. Or wishing, uh, longing for what was being destroyed, or wishing that, that wishing that she could still be there. Um, uh, and of course, we know that, um, you know, picking up off of last week's episode in, in the biblical narrative, is that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was not a place to be longed after. So, it's a simple act. Uh, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I. I, uh, th- th- I think you should have put that first. Personally, it's a simple act, but it 
he describes it as like, okay, but just simple acts are windows into the heart. It's like the actual physical act of looking that God prohibited, don't turn back, don't look back, wasn't because the act was sinful. Um, the 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 uh, mere act of looking at something was, or looking at something is sinful. We look at things all the time. But it's because, but it's what that meant. It's what that revealed her. Uh, the sin was in her heart, and looking back is a window into that, a, win, a window into her sinful heart. Um, so it's kind of out of order, but I want to start with that and s- kind of set, okay, but, you know, what is, I, I just, if, I mean, he's the man, but I would have put that first uh, to just kind of set, define of like, okay, well, what actually happened? What did she actually what was the actual sin committed? But my favorite part of this chapter was uh, uh, the uh, religious privileges which Lot, Lot's wife enjoyed. And man, just talk about some gut punches. Yeah, talk about some gut punches. It's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff in there. Yeah, it is. Um, Raoul, he he. Um remembers what Lot, Lot's wife was a part of. Um, you know, like, it, for example, how it says, when Abraham, or when Abram first received the promises, it is probable Lot's wife was there. When he built his altar by his tent between High and Bethel, it is probable she was there. When her husband was taken captive by Chedorlaomer and delivered by God's interference, she was there. When Melchizedek, king of Salem, came forth to meet Abraham with bread and wine, she was there. When the angels came to Sodom and warned her husband to flee, she saw them. When they talked them, uh, when they took them by the hand and led them out of the city, she was one of those whom they helped to escape. Once more, I say there was no small privileges. Or these were no small privileges. Then he concludes yet what good effect had all these privileges on the heart of lot's wife none at all notwithstanding all her opportunities and means of grace notwithstanding all her special warnings and messages from heaven she lived and died graceless godless impenitent and unbelieving the eyes of her understanding were never open her conscience was never really aroused and quickened her will was never really brought into a state of obedience to God. Her affections were never really set upon things above. The form of religion which she had was kept up for fashion's sake and not from feeling. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing her company, but not from any sense of its value. She did as others did around her in Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his wake. But all this time her heart was wrong in the sight of God. The world was in her heart, and her heart was in the world. That part again. The world was in her heart, Mm. and her heart Mm. was in the world. In this state she lived, and in this state she died. So as you mentioned, it's not the state of... Uh, the act of looking at something uh, that is sinful. Such great sin, yeah. Right. Um, but what 
that act revealed was, as Ross says, the world was in her heart. And her heart was in the world. So it's not like it was just a curious look of what's going on, as you were kind of talking about earlier. Um, Or as if she didn't believe what was happening was happening. But her world was being destroyed and she couldn't help but turn around and look again. In all this, Ryle says, there's much to be learned. I see a lesson here which is of the deepest importance in the present day. You live in times when there are many persons just like Lot's wife. Come and hear the lesson which her case is meant to teach. And he goes on teaching. Yeah, I doubt that I doubt that any uh, any of our listeners are not aware of this, but just in case, the in the biblical story, uh, uh, in in the in the act of looking back, she's turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, the Lord turned; she dies. The Lord kills her. She turns into a pillar of salt. We may have mentioned that last time. Yeah, didn't you say there's somebody? Uh, uh, was it Josephus that said that they could go to the place and... Yeah, yeah, Josephus writes in his history that, uh, you know, I, I could actually take you there. Like, it's a known thing. Apparently, people knew where that pillar was. I mean, you could imagine at some point that pillar being found, and nobody's going to forget that. They're always... That could be passed down orally through oral tradition. Yeah, yeah. Um, which just... Well, there's the, the place of Sodom and Gomorrah is still known of where it's at. There's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And two, thinking of how far it was that they were away, maybe like on some hill looking down into the valley, something like that. There's, um, yeah. Who are we? Are yeah, they where 200 they yards away? To it? Yeah. yeah. Are they 200 yards away, uh, a half a mile away? I hope for... For everybody else's sake, they were more than two hundred yards away. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be that'd be kind of close. <laughs> Danger close. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's a little too close for comfort there. Um, learn then, back to Ryle. Learn then that the mere possession of religious privileges will save no one's soul talks about many spiritual advantages throughout this chapter. Um, he talks about uh, um, <coughs> uh, uh, talks about being under good, faithful preaching, even preaching that it, you know is better than the churches down the street. Mm. that you have an intellectual uh, knowledge of, yeah, this is good doctrine, this is sound doctrine, as opposed to uh, other uh, uh, other churches or other traditions or something, uh, that that's a religious privilege, that, that, and that doesn't mean you're saved. It talks about having a godly husband or godly wife, a believing husband, believing wife. He spends a lot of time addressing children, of Christian families and saying, look, what rich, what rich privilege do you have? Spiritual privilege do you have? But this does not mean that you're saved. Uh, this does not mean that you have been, uh, this does not mean, mean that you have been born again. Uh, 
that uh, uh, that everyone with these religious privileges um, uh, still need the the redeeming or the the regenerating work, uh, the grace of of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's that's his big emphasis. I mean, uh, uh, that's where he's making the connection to Lot's wife is that um, uh, she had a lot of these privileges and uh, privileges, what he calls religious privileges or, or advantages. Uh, he opens up before uh, the paragraph that you read. This just makes one more connection. In the days of Abraham and Lot, true saving religion was scarce upon earth. There were no Bibles, no ministers, no churches, no tracts, no missionaries. The knowledge of God was confined to a few favored families. The greater part of the inhabitants of the world were living in darkness, ignorance, superstition, and sin. No one in a hundred, perhaps, had such good examples, such spiritual society, such clear knowledge, such plain warnings as Lot's wife, compared with millions of her fellow creatures in her time. Lot's wife was a favored woman. If you think about that, I mean, it's a, it's amazing thing. I've reflected upon that in my own testimony. It's like an amazing thing that I could have been born anywhere in the world to any family, but I was born uh, to my parents who were Christians um, to uh, in a place that was uh, uh, that was founded on. Uh, Christian virtue, Christian principles by Christians uh, uh, who first uh, who first settled here. It's like what a privilege, what an advantage, what a uh, I had no control over that. It was just what I was. It was just what I was born into. Mm-hmm. But Ryle's whole point is don't uh, don't uh, uh, don't mistake the privileges or blessings with true salvation in and of itself. And that's very, that is very easily done. There's plenty of uh, children whose faith is not their faith. It's, it's just the faith that they grew up in or their parents' faith. And that becomes evident why once they move out of the house, once they go to college, once they, uh, you know, once they uh, pursue their own wife, pursue, uh, find their own husband, uh, for and start start their own life together. That it becomes clear who they actually are. Um, the closer to the time and once they once they leave the house. And I was actually pretty encouraged, not encouraged, but comforted. The J.C. Ryle he makes a remark. I don't have it here, but he ra- ma- ra- he makes a remark lamenting how many young people leave the faith after they after they grow up after they leave the house. And I'm like, okay, this is not a new problem that we're experiencing today. <laughs> this has been happening for yeah. at least for at least 200 years. Christian, a Christian minister is saying, this is a problem. This is lamenting this fact. That's that's not new. Uh, I didn't. I'm not encouraged by that, but I took comfort in that. Yeah, there is a odd comfort in knowing that um, even there there is even no e- new no new evil under the sun. Um, it's an odd encouragement. Um, it's odd because, like, well, we're talking about evil here. 
Um, but if you thought it were, if it was true that there, like this, there's never been any kind of evil like this before, um, then you kind of feel alone historically. Yeah. But there always has been, and always has been the evil of apostasy. Yeah. Um, and so I, I can't remember the statistic where it came from, but I heard of a statistic a few years ago that um, 90% of young people who go from high school to college um, do what we call apostatize, mm-hmm. which is probably a broad blanketed statement. Um, Part of that's due to a lot of, you, we've talked about it, Several times, J.C. Ryle leads us into it a lot. Uh, um, where there's a similarity between our day and Ryle's is that mo- most, uh, or at least Ryle's tradition, um, th- they baptize uh, children. And Ryle, even, not even, but uh, Ryle uh, and in the Anglican tradition, they're not presuming Oh, this this child is regenerated at baptism. They don't believe in baptism regeneration. Mm. So he says your baptism is not. You know your baptism. <laughs> Ryle even in this chapter says, "Look, your baptism is a religious pr- uh, 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 privilege, but that doesn't mean you're saved either." So he's yeah. he's really getting down. He's just really stripping everything away, and and uh, um identifying that look true salvation uh needs to be there but where there's a similarity in our day is that uh it's not that he's presuming that ryle's not doing this presuming that all these children are actually christians he's not that's actually his whole point but there is a connection between uh i mean what is called cultural christianity that okay, you know, if you're in uh, where wherever England, where Ryle is uh, ministering, everybody, you talk to anybody, everybody's a Christian, and we've done that ourselves, not just through Christianity having a big influence here, which is a good thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing that that Christianity has had a big influence. I'm, I'm greatly thankful for that, but particularly through easy believism. We make it so easy uh, for people to um, uh, uh, too easy by watering down the gospel for people to think that they're saved, and then they go off to college and and they're not. You know, they they leave the house and it 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 shows by their life that you no, know, actually they weren't saved. They were just surrounded by Christians. Their parents were Christians. Um, that was a, a common and restraining grace to them, but. Eventually, they live their own life, and their life does not reflect what a what a Christian does. And this is true of. Uh, he talks a lot about children here in this chapter, uh, raised in a Christian home, uh, uh, but he gives plenty of examples. That probably the most convicting one to me was the example of the Christian minister uh, growing uh, lazy and slack, and and in the ministry uh, because he's uh, because he's got religious privileges now. He doesn't feel like he has to work hard for the gospel. He compromises. He's not willing to make 
Um, he's not willing to make pe- offend people in his preaching or offend people with hard doctrine. Um, it was like, that's another, um, that was provoking for me. That's most provoking part, part for me personally. This is another example of someone who's got plenty of religious privilege, uh, extra religious privilege as a Christian minister, but yeah, but turns out to be, uh, you know, turns out to only have conviction until he's living comfortably, and then all that goes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then remembering Lot's wife helps you because she also had those privileges. Yeah. It didn't mean anything for her heart. Yeah. Let us value religious privileges, but let us not rest entirely upon them. Let us desire to have the benefit of them in all our movements in life, but let us not put them in the place of Christ. Mm. Let us use them thankfully if God grants them to us, but let us take care that they produce some fruit in our heart and life. If they do not do good, they often do positive harm. They sear the conscience. They increase responsibility. They aggravate condemnation. The same fire which melts the wax hardens the clay. The same sun which makes the living tree grow dries up the dead tree and prepares it for burning. Nothing so hardens the heart of man as a barren familiarity with sacred things. Once more I say it is not privileges alone which make people Christians, but the grace of the Holy Ghost. Without that, no man will ever be saved. That's his point on yeah. all the privileges. Yeah, that's it. And privileges, of course, can deceive people. People who are um, looking for proof of their salvation, they yeah. have no heart change. Um, they they can point at some of these things and say, well, well I have these special privileges. I was there when Abraham um, received the blessing from Melchizedek. I was there when this, that, and the other. Um, but going back to what Ross says earlier, you, your heart is still in Sodom, and Sodom is still in your heart. Yeah. He says, I ask the children of religious parents to mark well what I am saying. It is the highest privilege to be the child of a godly father and mother and to be brought up in the midst of many prayers. I I 100% agree with that. You don't have to be a you don't have to baptize babies to agree with that. Um it is a blessed thing indeed to be taught the gospel from our earliest infancy and to hear of sin and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and holiness and heaven from the first moment we can remember anything. But oh take heed that you do not that you do not remain barren and unfruitful in the sunshine of all these privileges. Beware lest your heart remains hard, impenitent, and worldly, notwithstanding the many advantages you enjoy. You cannot enter the kingdom of God on the credit of your parents' religion. You must eat the bread of life yourself and have the witness of the Spirit in your own heart. You must have repentance of your own faith of your soul, uh, uh, of your own. You must have repentance of your own, faith of your own, and sanctification of your own. If not, you are no better than Lot's wife. His heart. Yeah. Not to get us on uh, this rant, because this is an easy one we can get it, we can get us off on. Uh, um, but he talks about uh, uh, 
he says no one's willing to uh no one's willing to talk about the hard truths the hard doctrines anymore and uh yeah that could derail the whole conversation but but that's true that's another point where he he yeah that statement that paragraph he was like i'm like oh yep here he is again you know pre or writing like like this was released on some blog yesterday good stuff yeah i mean um which what what page does he say that on I don't remember because I listened to this chapter. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why I'm all. That's why I'm all over the place. Yeah. Um, thinking about the look. Well, talking about uh, he talks about a lot when um, uh, he's talking about hell, the punishment for Lot's wife, uh, and he's he's at, he's making a case that hell is real. You can't get rid of it out of the scriptures or uh, out of or out of Christianity I mean it's just, it's part of it um, and so he gives a defense to the those who are wanting to deny uh, deny hell hell but he said he he says what I'm talking about is somewhere somewhere in the beginning I'm looking I'm looking but uh um uh yeah, but he he talks a lot about uh, uh, that hell is a difficult but necessary uh, doctrine because the scriptures teach it, um, and speaks of how uh, we should not take any joy in preaching or teaching of hell, but uh, but we must, and to so many neglect it or. Or don't believe it because it's, um, it's kind of like well, you want to r- remove that hard or embarrassing or difficult part of Christianity. Um, uh, but there's a real, but there is a real, just as there's an eternal paradise, an eternal uh, heaven. Yeah, that there is a, uh, there is an, an eternal judgment. Yeah, and thinking about it too, like this passage would be hard to preach for the man who doesn't want to do, you know, preach hard doctrines. Yeah. Even the just the verse alone, remember Lot's wife. You have to get into a lot of things about sin and repentance and um, do those two things there and your church is not going to be a megachurch, most likely, unless it's the rare megachurch of... You know, thousands of people who... I wonder how many people... I wonder if J.C. Ryle pastored a big church. Very well could have. Which there's a lot of big churches that are amazing who do preach sound doctrine. Um, but, you know, hearing this, imagining a sermon like this at uh, Transformation Church up in Oklahoma or Elevation Church, it's, it's just not going to happen. There there are big churches that... that uh, that are great churches, sound and doctrine, stuff like that, but there are not the new definition of mega churches. Like the old definition of mega churches was, you know, if you had, and people doing studies did a number, there was some number, it was maybe been like 1,500 or 2,000 or something like that. But now we have churches that are claiming 
Now, there's creative ways in which they get these numbers, but are claiming like, you know, 6,000 6, members or multi-thousand, you know, uh, you know, multi-thousand members, which is just nuts. I mean, that's... Yeah, the Hartford Institute for Religions Research defines a megachurch as a Protestant congregation that has an average weekly attendance of 2,000 or more members. Yeah. In its yeah, worship yeah, services, yeah. that was yeah. as of uh, April twenty seventh. I mean, that's that's big, and I don't have you. You can't make a biblical case against big churches. You just no, can't. You, can't. You, you just can't. Yeah. Um, uh, the 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 New Testament churches were massive. Right. Um, you can just say words, but in today's day, you're not going to have a five thousand member church and be teaching holiness by J C. Ryle. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I mean, not 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 here at least. There's too many church. There's just too many churches. Right. Not here. And um, going back to that term, like when you say mega church, you can get to the uh, technicality of the definition. Uh, but in our context, that that word is packaged with all these things we are so familiar with. Carl Lentz, uh, yeah. which there's a new documentary yeah, yeah. going out uh, about. Hillsong, and then there's um, another one. Um, the Secrets of Hillsong on Hulu. I think it's a brand new. Yeah, one. that's a new one. Yeah, that's a new one. Um, yeah. So we just like when I say mega church, nobody thinks. Well, how many people technically are in that church? Well, you, right, right. Because We're just talking about a mock church model, right? Like because a, uh, you can the seeker sensitive. The dude who's dressed... No doctrine. Yeah, yeah, the dude who's dressed expensively, who does way too many curls in the gym, that sort of mega church. It, it, they're not going to preach. You're not going to hear... St- I, I almost guarantee you're not going to hear Stephen Furtick preach this passage. Um, because... The, I, hope, I hope you're wrong one day. <laughs> and That'd he does. Legit. Yeah. yeah. That would be great if he started preaching biblically in the whole counsel of God. Yeah. But um, it's a simple phrase, remember Lot's wife. But what you have to do when you preach this passage is is go through the list of, of what he does. Talking about the look. That look was a little thing, but it revealed the yeah. true character of Lot's wife. I'll give this list, and then we can go through it, and you can point out stuff that you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, that look was a little thing, but it told of disobedience in Lot's wife. Number three, that look was a little thing, but it told of proud unbelief in Lot's wife. That look was a little thing, but it told of secret love of the world, which I believe may be the main thing that it revealed. It told of secret love of the world in Lot's wife. Her heart was in Sodom, though her body was outside. She had left her affections behind when she fled from her home. Her eye turned to the place where her treasure was. There it is. That's a, I think that's a key sentence here. As the compass needle turns to the pole. Yeah. And this was the crowning point of her sin. People talk uh, all the time. Well, this is the heart issues. The heart issues. The heart of the is the true, true heart of the commandment. It's this, and that, and the other. It's not necessarily the commandment. It's the heart of the commandment. But the point is, the truth is, you 
you will see the heart of the issue by the external actions of the person. Um, so when when um, Ryle is talking about her heart was in Sodom, though her body was outside, she, he's not coming up with some sort of dualism mm-hmm. between body and soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that he's not doing that. It, it's a um, common thing to for sound Protestant men to realize that there's this inextricable relationship between body and soul. But see... The things that your body does can show what your heart longs for. Yeah. Um, and, and you need your body to show what your heart longs for. Um, you know, that person's heart is good. Well, how can you tell that that person's heart is good unless they have external actions that show the heart? You think of words. Um, our Lord says in Matthew 12, and paraphrasing in other words, um, you can tell if you're good or evil based off the words that you say. Mm-hmm. So how can you tell a person's heart? By how they use their tongue and mouth to speak words. Yeah, out of the mouth the heart speaks. Yes. Um, what about Lot's wife? How could we tell what her heart looked like? By how she yeah. used her eyes and her shoulders and her neck and head to turn around and look at Sodom. And see, you can yeah. tell he doesn't believe in this body-soul dualism when he is saying that sentence that I pointed out. Her eye turned to the place where her treasure was as the compass needle turns to the pole. Yeah. So, you know, as a Christian, you can't separate the heart issue from the action, though sometimes the actions in other places can be sinless, like looking at a big city. Yeah. You, yeah, go, to, yeah. you go to New York City— or you go to San Francisco, which is Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0, you can look at, you can, as you're leaving, turn around and look at San Francisco and you're not going to turn into stone. Mm-hmm. But if you're commanded, say there, say there was extra biblical revelation and you were commanded, don't look at San Francisco when you leave. You can't say, well, looking at San Francisco is not inherently sinful. I'm right. just going to go ahead and right, turn around. Right. No, you were commanded, and it doesn't matter what the heart of the issue is, if you commit that, uh, if you break that commandment, it shows where your heart is, and you're sinning against that commandment, which is what's happening in in her heart. And I believe, of course, you can't take any one of these things in this list without the other ones. But I think the main thing that we see and learn about Lot's wife in this action is is D. That look was a little thing, but it told of secret yeah. love of the world and Lot's wife. Yeah, where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart is there also. I mean, this is what Christ is talking about in, yes. that, in, in that chapter. Did you quote, did you quote James 4.4 4 in First John 2.15? 2, 2, mm-hmm. The friendship mm-hmm. of the world is enmity with God, James 4.4. 4. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. First John two fifteen. This was the, the those are that's the prescriptions of the sin. Okay, well why why was God so upset with her turning back? Well, because he was rescuing her from um from condemnation, but she longed for that which the Lord was rescuing her from. Yeah. And I can't imagine this one, but it's always good to take warnings that, like warnings that blindside you. You never would have thought of it yourself. Yeah. 
and they warn yeah. you of this. Uh, here's one of them. How many married people do well in religion to all appearance until their children begin to grow up? <laughs> and then they fall away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, um, there's certain things that uh, I don't want to do because of my daughters. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not terrible things in and of themselves. Like the other day I was wanting to watch National Geographic and watch some lions eat a water buffalo. I Like I enjoyed that stuff. It's nature to me. But are, you, then, are you on Instagram? Uh, no. You're not? Okay, uh-huh. never mind then. There's, but anyways. There's an Instagram profile called Nature is Metal, and it's just that. It's just like absolute. Natural like, it's just It's just, natu- it's just nature violence is yeah. all it is. Well. It's, just, it's, just, so it's just, yeah, I, nature violence. I'm watching these lions, and I'm thinking it's just going to be lion stuff, you know. In the jungle, in the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight type stuff. So Salem walks in. She goes, oh, it's a lion. She yeah. starts running. Yeah. And then it shows the water buffalo walk up. She's like, it's a moo cow. <laughs> she said, moo cow? I'm like, okay, I know what's going to happen Boom. next. I know what's going to happen next. These lions are going to devour this water buffalo. So I had to turn it off. Well, that's like a simple uh, yeah, explanation. That's the, diff- the difference between having a boy and a girl. I keep it on. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it on. I don't be good for him. I won't uh, be mooing for long. <laughs> well, I, I didn't want her heart to be broken into a million pieces seeing that. Uh, oh, yeah. Water yeah. buffalo devoured. Yeah. But on a greater scale, what if there's things that's, that parents, that Christian parents do that seem very Christian, but the only reason why they do them is because of their children. Mm-hmm. Then their children grow up, get out of the house. They don't have that accountability anymore. Um, which makes me wonder that he probably experienced a lot of that in his ministry, seeing a lot of families, a lot of yeah. spouses yeah, go back to worldliness. Uh, a leaven of worldliness begins to appear in their habits, dress, entertainments, and employment of time. They're no longer strict about the company they keep and the places they visit. Where is the decided line of separation which they once observed? Where is the undeserving, uh, unswerving abstinence from worldly amusements which one marked, once marked their course? It is all forgotten. It is all laid aside like an old almanac. A change has come over them. The spirit of the world has taken possession of their hearts. They walk in the steps of Lot's wife. They look Mm. back. I know you got to go, but one good thing about this book and what makes this a fantastic audio book is the repetition of it. Yeah. Because he gives that list of um, certain people who act like Lot's, Lot's wife, and at the end of each paragraph he says, they look back, they look back, they look back. They look back. Yes, they but have all looked different back. Examples. He yeah. has looked back. Yes. Which allows that that's the thing I want to learn from Ryle. Okay. I want to be able to give much better examples and application in my teaching. And I'm not trying to pretend like I'm going to be as good as Ryle, but uh, he could definitely help me out in this area. Shoot your shot. Yeah. 
need to just start walking around saying, I want to be as good as J.C. Ryle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to start walking around saying they, <coughs> they have looked back. They have, yeah. <laughs> they have looked back. Yeah. Um, be saying that in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. They have looked back. No, they have not. They have not. They don't. Yeah, they. No, there'll be some churches there. Who you can end up saying they have looked back. Yeah, for sure. Can't help but think yeah, that some of those churches sure. that'll be there 60 years ago would have abhorred what is happening there. Yeah. But then they have looked back to the world. Um, Man, landing the plane. Some people don't like repetition. These little quick phrases like this, I love mm-hmm. it. Me now, there's, there's repetition. Repetition I don't like. You know, Rutherford is very repetitious and Lex Rex. Um, Ryle is repetitious in this book on thoughts and stuff. So this is different. It's a different kind of repetition. Well, I'm I'm saying like even even big thoughts is like well you just taught that earlier, but oh, these yeah, phrases like three chapters here, ago. Yes, or yeah. Yes. The, these phrases here I think are necessary repetitions. They looked back. They looked back. Or remember yeah, last he, life. Right, remember these last little life. like yeah these little phrases he's using that. Uh, as layers on the train track. Yeah, and he's using that as like, um, uh, he's using that rhetoric. Like, uh, it's a rhetoric tool. It's yes. a, it's a. Um, I'm I'm just uh, repetitive because I'm dumb. He's repetitive because he's he's intentional about it, and yeah. he's not saying the same argument over and over again. But he's giving examples. They look back. Here's another person. Uh, 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 young women. Okay, here's how they stray from their first love. That's how. Here's how they look back. Young men, they get caught up in sports and activities and uh, the love of this world in this way. They look back. Um, even clergy. This is a part where I, I mentioned it earlier, but he's he talked he talks about uh, um, how many clergymen work hard in their profession for a few years and then become lazy and indolent from the love of this present world. They look back. Uh, so he's using it as a teaching, very helpful and creative teaching tool here. Yeah. And uh, it gets the point across. Which it, is why I encourage. It settles the application in. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that I'm trying to learn from him. Yeah. The audio book is well worth listening to. The, yeah, it's reason. even a uh, uh, the one that we're li- the, us, I listened to the same one you did on this chapter. Uh, you're right; it's like a British guy or say yeah. it's an English it's like, guy. Wait a minute, is that JC yeah. Ryle? Yeah, it's Eng- it's an English guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Danny, you got to go. I don't want you to be late. Um, don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. C D and D two. You want to do it this time? C D and D two. Uh, coming at you from the classic cast, recording and direct. That's the last time you're doing it. We are not looking back to that. 